Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the uh, second series on the love of God uh, that I am being directed to record. This series will be entitled, The First Commandment, Loving God. So I'm reading to you in Lesson 1 about the greatest commandment of all. Mark chapter 12, beginning with verse 28 in the King James Version. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And I'm now reading from the Amplified Version, beginning with Mark chapter 12, verse 28. Then one of the scribes came up and listened to them disputing with one another and noticing that Jesus answered them fitly and admirably. He asked them, he asked him, which commandment is first and most important of all in its nature? Jesus answered, the first and principal one of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God out of of and with your whole heart, and out of and with with all your soul, your life, and out of and with all your mind, uh, with your faculty of thought and your moral understanding, and out of and with all your strength. This is the first and principal commandment. Commandment. The second is like that, like it, and is this: You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And finally, reading from Weiss expanded translation of the New Testament, uh, Mark twelve verse twenty eight. And having come, one of the men learned in the uh, in the sacred scriptures, having heard them questioning together, knowing that he Jesus had answered them well, asked him. Of what sort is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered, The first is, Be hearing, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord your God with your whole heart, and with your whole soul, and with your whole mind, and with your whole strength. This is, the second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself greater than these Another commandment there is not. So this is the, this is the first lesson of the series of loving God. Loving God. This is a very critical series because we're going to be dealing in this series of lessons with, with several, uh, false theologies concerning God and loving God and being saved and having a relationship with God. And what that all means and what it doesn't mean. And we're going to look strictly at scripture and we're going to look at scripture. And if you will approach these scriptures with an open mind, you will see how easily and readily, uh, the truth can be seen right in these verses that we'll be talking about, uh, in each of these lessons, uh, concerning what does, what's the true love of God and what is his real expectations of us and what is saving faith 
from God's perspective, from the perspective of God's love, what is saving faith? We'll be talking about these questions throughout the, the, the lessons in this series. And obviously, they are very, very critical lessons. We'll also talk about uh, living daily in the love of God. What does that mean? And how does that affect us? Uh, in our walk with God. And we're gonna, we're gonna talk about all of that to, to whatever degree the Holy Ghost decides in these lessons in this series. But in this first lesson, uh, Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ specifically said that these, this commandment is the greatest commandment. Now the greatest commandment has two parts to it. He didn't say which one of those parts was more important than the other. He never differentiated between those two parts in their inclusion in his qualification or characterization of this as being the greatest commandment of all. And, uh, and he said, this is the first commandment or the greatest. And he said, this is, this, these are the great, this is the greatest commandment. These two are the greatest commandments, but this is the first one. This is the first in priority. So it's not just first in sequence. It's first in order of priority. And I'm going to say this to you. Everything that happens in a saved person's life starts right here. This verse is the foundation of everything having to do with a saved life. And if our saved life is not based on this scripture and our understanding of this scripture and our focus in obeying this scripture, then we don't know God. We may have religion. We may have... uh, we may have faith. We may be a convert to something called Christianity. But we do not know God. And our salvation is in serious question. Now obviously, when a person comes to God, there is a growth period. The scripture actually refers to new people, regardless of their age, as being babes in Christ. Peter said, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. So God in his wisdom and in his loving kindness and uh, his long suffering with us understands that nobody starts out doing all of this perfectly. In fact, I don't believe that because God chose to leave us in this uh, flesh for the rest of our temporal life, I don't expect, believe he expected us to ever do this perfectly. Now, as, uh, as Paul would say, uh, shall we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. If you're dead to sin, you don't live therein. But the Lord knew that this was all a learning process, a growing process. The last words of the Apostle Peter recorded in the Bible, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, let us grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to take Peter's words and tell you that those last words of Peter are actually the reverse order of the sequence of the two parts of the greatest commandment. Because the part 
that says that we're to love him with all the whole of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. To do that, we need the grace of God. So we need to grow in grace to be able to do that. And we're supposed to grow in our knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that is the first part of this commandment. It is not something to do. It is something to know. And so knowing who God is, is the most critical part of salvation. And if your understanding of God, or concept of God, or should I say your doctrine of God, is not biblically accurate, you don't know God. And God doesn't go, uh, that's okay, don't worry about it, we'll figure this out in eternity. No. Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 24, Except you believe that I am He, you shall die in your sins. Or if you believe not that I am He, you shall die in your sins. And if you have a a a a, a good electronic version of the King James or a printed version, you'll say see that the word He there is in italics. And the King James translators had enough integrity to, to let you know when they were adding words to the translation that was not in the original language. And the word he there was, is not in the Greek text. So the rule, the, the rule of, uh, of the italicized words, they're not for emphasis. They're to let you know that the translators added them because they thought they should be there. And so the rule is, if the verse means exactly the same with the italicized words, it doesn't matter to leave them, leave it in there or to take it out. But if the verse means differently, something different, or does it say as clearly what it would say without the italicized words as it, as it, as, uh, or with the italicized words as it, as it does without the italicized word, then you take it out. And so if I do that in John 8, 24, Jesus said, except you believe that I am, you shall die in your sins. That is in the Greek translation of the Septuagint. Uh, uh, The Greek translation, which is the Septuagint, of the Old Testament into the Greek. The same exact words used in John 8.24 of the I am are the exact words that the translators used to translate what God said to Abraham or to Moses at the burning bush. I am. I am. Tell them I am has sent you. And so when Jesus used this terminology, it was a direct reference to the I am God. And then later on in John chapter 8, he's talking to the Jews and they're debating on who he's not. And he's trying to tell them who he is. And then he finally says, before Abraham was, I am. Now, the only way that's possible is that the deity within the Lord Jesus Christ, within the man Christ Jesus, is the exact same deity that was in that burning bush, that's the exact one and only deity that spoke all of this into existence before there was anything. The same deity. Now, what if I believe Jesus is only a 
portion of the I am. Now, a lot of people, when they use the name Jesus, they are referring to the one born in Bethlehem. Not me. When I use the name Jesus, I'm referring to the father of that man who came out of the womb of that woman. Because the scripture says in Hebrews chapters 1 that the man Christ Jesus received his name by inheritance. That means that the name of the father was Jesus before it was ever the name of the one who was born of Mary in Bethlehem. And it's even beyond the fact that the son inherited the father's name when you consider that the deity in the son is the father. And Jesus said, I've come in my father's name. And the only name he came in was the name of Jesus. Right. So when the greatest commandment is, the first of all the commandments is, Jesus said, Hear, O Israel, and might I add, Hear, O world, the Lord our God is one Lord. Of course, here Jesus is quoting, I believe it's Deuteronomy 6 and 4, He's actually quoting a commandment of Moses that Moses was speaking to Israel in that period of time where Moses was uh, dotting the I's and crossing the T's because he knew his time was winding down uh, from his leadership of Israel. And so he's, he's communicating to them. But Jesus says that, that those words spoken by Moses is the greatest commandment of all. Because Moses did say that, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and we should love Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first commandment of all. But the problem is, how do you give your whole being to a God you don't really know who He is? Well, I believe in God. Well, that's wonderful. I'm glad you believe in God. What God? Which God? Well, there's only one God. Okay, fine. Who is He? What's His name? Where did he come from? How do we know him? Who is this God? This was a very important point that Jesus made in the establishing of his church when you go to Matthew chapter 16. He said to the disciples, Who do men say that I am? Well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist come back from the dead, etc. And he looked at them and said, But who do you say, or whom do you say that I am? And Peter spoke up and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. But I thought you said the Father was in the man Christ Jesus. Yes. And when Jesus says, my Father which is in heaven, he is actually saying that the one in me is the one that's sitting on the throne of the universe ruling over everything. That's who this is is in me. That's who I'm the visible representation of. Now, 
What does a Jew that does not believe in the Trinity, that only believes in one God, not three persons in God, what does a Jew mean when the Jew says, even though he was a disciple of Jesus, this was before the day of Pentecost in Matthew 16, it was before the birth of the church. It was before the beginning of the New Testament. Because Paul clearly states in chapter 9 of Hebrews that a testament is not of force until after the death of the testator. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are not, from God's perspective, New Testament books. They are transition books. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of heaven is preached. But there was no way during the ministry of Jesus on earth for people to get into the New Testament by, by becoming a part of the church. There was no way because the church did not exist. And so this Jew, Peter, who is now following his Messiah, what does this Jew that doesn't believe in three persons in God, that only believes in one God. What does he mean when he says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God? Not what we, what many would interpret they, that he was confessing, you're the, the, the uh, third person of the Trinity, or second person of the Trinity. That's not what he was saying at all. He was a Jew. There wasn't a Trinitarian doctrine then. That doctrine wasn't even beginning to be formed until 325 A.D. when the church council decided in Nicaea that there was a father and a son in the Godhead. The Holy Ghost didn't get added until the Council of Trent in 383 A.D. So there's no way Peter, who was a Jew that didn't believe in the Trinity, only believed in one God, is saying, you are the second person of the Trinity. He's not saying that. A Jew that only believes in one person of God, only one God, only one person of God, who is he saying? Who's he saying that Jesus is? Well, how about this verse from the Old Testament? Isaiah 9 and 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And who is this son? The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father, or as some translations put it, the Father of Eternity. Well, there's only one God who is the Father of Eternity. The I Am God, the I Am Infinite God that existed before everything, who was before everlasting, Isaiah, or, or Psalms 90 and verse 2. He is from before everlasting to after everlasting. Not just everlasting to everlasting, but from before everlasting, Psalms 90 and 2 says, until after everlasting. So, how can I be saved by a God I do not know? How can I be saved by a God I don't understand? Well, he is a mystery. We can't understand him. That is the cop-out. But it's also intellectual. It is a lack of intellectual integrity. Because today, everybody who chooses to do so can have access to a Bible where all you have to do on your software program or in your app 
is touch the word mystery and it brings up the Greek word and it shows you that the word in the Greek mystery has nothing to do with the incomprehensible or the unexplainable. But the word mystery in the Greek is a secret that is hidden except to the initiated. So if you're, the, it, the Holy Ghost took that word from the, uh, the, uh, 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 the Greek societies where they were secret societies and the proof that you were in that group was they revealed to you their mysterion, their mysteries. They were covered and because you're now accepted, we reveal that to you. And the Bible tells us that the mysteries of God are given to us. That the mysteries of God and the kingdom of God belong to us. The church. And those who say it's a mystery, we can't explain it. They're really telling you they're on the outside looking in. I'm sorry, this is Bible. You can verify everything I said just actually going by, uh, going to a Bible, especially like a Strong's uh, or a King James with Strong's or what, any, and touch the word and let it bring up the Greek and read it for yourself. God is not incomprehensible. And I believe it's Jeremiah 9, 24. Uh, 2324, something like that, that says, let not the rich man glory in his riches, let not the mighty man glory in his might, let not the uh, noble man glory in his whatever, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me that I am the Lord. That's not a perfect quote, but it's pretty close. It'll get you there if you want to look it up. God says that those who understands and knows him have something to glory about, to boast about. Not boasting of themselves because we can't know him unless he's, he reveals himself to us. But that is our joy. That is our, our joy that we know him. And so when Jesus asked Peter, who do you say that I am, or the disciples. And Peter says, thou art the Christ. Because the, the, the believers of the Old Testament knew that the one true and living God was coming to this earth in the form of a man to save us. They weren't looking for a second person of that God. They were looking for the one God manifested in the flesh as a child, a son, who would, who would be, uh, wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the, the mighty God, not a mighty God, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. The, not a, not one of, not a part of, the. So, the Jews believed that the coming Messiah was going to fully be the I am God that spoke to Abraham and Moses, Manifest in the flesh. That's who they believed it was going to be. That's why Jesus said again in John 8, 24, except unless, for if you believe not that I am, you shall die in your sins. Because the knowledge of God is the greatest commandment. And if I'm not obeying the greatest commandment, I am disobedient. And the scripture says in Revelation, Chapter 21, 28, the disobedient are not going through those gates. That's book. That's book. That's not Pentecostal doctrine. That's not apostolic doctrine. That's Bible 
Scripture. Plain Scripture. This is a commandment. This is not a suggestion. This is not a good idea. This is not a theology that you study and say, well, that's nice. Isn't that nice? Whatever he's saying, that's really nice. I don't understand what he's saying, but that's nice. No. No, 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 no. And there is nothing God desires to do for you more than to reveal Himself to you so that you know Him. I mean, if uh, if you said you were my friend and you said, oh, I know you, you're Chester Wright. Uh, yeah, I know you. I know you. You are... You you uh 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 you 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 work so and so place and you do this and uh and your uh, wife is uh 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 <laughs> Sally and uh, your sons uh, your children are and I'm going to go uh the name's right but all your other facts are not accurate that's not me you got you got me confused with someone else in your mind. That's not who I am. Now, when it comes to us, it matters to us whether or not people know who we are. But we think it doesn't really matter to God whether or not we know who He is. But it does. And the second part of this that I'm not going to talk about very long in this lesson because many of the next lessons are going to be about this because if I know who God is and I know He knows who I am and we have a relationship, then that relationship is going to cause me to want to give myself to Him with my whole being. And as we will study and have already talked about in the last series, and we'll talk about it in this series a couple of times, 1 John 4.19, John said, We love Him because He first loved us. So we need to know who He is. That's a commandment to know who He is. To know who He really is. Why else would He say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord? Because the temptation of Israel the whole time was they kept wanting to have multiple gods like their neighbors so they could fit in with their neighbors. And I'm telling you right now, believing in only one God rather than all the popular doctrines of God will separate you in a heartbeat from them. They'll put up with all kind of different doctrines as long as you believe in their their doctrine of Three persons. But the moment you say you don't believe in three persons in the Godhead, you believe the scripture that says there's only one God. And that word one is not one in unity, it's one in one. The integer one. The whole one. And the Lord our God is one Lord. Well, we call Jesus Lord. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. That's the Holy Ghost. So uh, then, of course, the Father is Lord. How many lords are there? One Lord. Hebrews 
or Ephesians 4 says. I think it's 4, 4, 4, some, four 5, somewhere in there. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. This is important to God. This isn't about winning an argument or being who's right and who's wrong. This is about God. This is about His feelings about Himself. This is about Him testing you and I to see how badly we want to know Him. Because if we're wanting stuff from somebody we don't really want to know and understand and have a relationship with, if that was you, wouldn't you feel used? Wouldn't you feel used by people? If they didn't really want to know you and know anything about you, they just, you were their cash cow. You were there to solve all their problems and fix everything, but as long as they had no problems, they didn't need you, didn't want to know you, didn't want to talk to you. Really? That, that, that would be okay with you? If never be, it would never be okay with you. Well, it's sure not okay with God. And that's why it's the first commandment of all. And so, we love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. So the only way I can give my whole self to God is to love God with his love back. And I've taught this in the last series. Uh, there's a difference between the Greek word philia, or f- which is the noun, philio, which is the verb, and Agape, which is the noun, and agapeo, which is the verb. There's a difference between those two. Philia, filio, is the human emotion feelings. Agape, agapeo, is the divine love. And when he said, I'm to love him with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, the only way I can give him agape, because that's the Greek word, is because I have received agape from him. And if I don't know who he is, how do I know what I'm receiving from the God I'm worshiping is biblical, is scriptural, is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. He's the way. Okay, praise God. He's the way. No, but he's not just the way. He is the truth. Anything that varies from him is not true. And who is he? He is the almighty I am God robed in flesh. He is the mighty God, the everlasting father. That's who that son is, that child that was born. He is, he is the mighty God, the everlasting father. And because he wants us to know him, we then can receive his love and give his love back to him as we as that love empowers us to give our whole being to him god bless you in the name of the lord jesus christ i pray that the father even as he revealed himself to peter that the Father would reveal himself to you and me in revelation. And I loose upon you and I the spirit of hunger and thirst to know him, to have a relationship with him, and to have his righteousness and to be a part of his kingdom. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, God bless you. Amen.